Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fan Effect, sponsored by Megaplex Theaters, Utah's premier movie entertainment company. Hey, before we begin, you want to save on your Fanex 2022 tickets? Use the discount code KSLFANS at fanex.com for a 15% discount. Fanex is going to be super fun this coming September at the Salt Palace Convention Center. All right, here we go. This is the one we've been excited for. Uh, we've teased. We're ready. Here we go. I'm going to play a little bit of music to set the mood, but this will be the incomparable sounds of the incomparable John Williams. A brand new track composed specifically for the Star Wars series Obi-Wan on Disney+. Plus. We are halfway through this limited series. Three of six episodes have aired. I think they're incredibly cruel to have to make us wait a calendar week between each one, between episodes one and two coming out on the same day, and then only five days later, after a holiday weekend when we were distracted by other things, we got another episode, and then they just left us in the worst, most cliffhanging spot possible. Well, joining me in my misery... <laughs> Is our right. one of our favorite co-hosts and guests, Dan Spindle from KSL TV, and uh, you know, alongside me, the resident Star Wars uh, geeks of the station, Fan obsessed between radio and TV, we are the kings of Star Wars for right. uh, KSL, the company. But at least the court jesters of Star Wars. Dan is obviously a far better Star Wars artist. If you saw the picture that we tweeted out <laughs> of his amazing whiteboard work, a very unforgiving medium, we've talked about. But for the whole month of May, which was Star Wars Celebration Month, essentially, uh, we had a great thing. Now we had to move yeah. on to June. It's it's Utah. It's nice. It's a nice logo, Dan. But right. It's not Star Wars. Listen, we had such a great month to tee up everything for this and the reveal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Wasn't it worth it? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Wasn't it worth absolutely. the wait? It's already the most watched series ever on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, biggest no launch surprise. ever. You're right. In fact, let's talk about that as we kind of get going here, Dan. Because oh, if we have to. Let's do it. <laughs> I know, right? It's, and, so, and the good, it's so hard. People should know, we have not discussed this yet. Andy and no. I talk all the time. We have been holding this back for, what, a week and a half, I guess. We saved the good yeah. stuff so that we can have the same experience together and we can get thoughts unfiltered and they don't sound repeated. None yes. of that. But man, it was hard to wait this long to talk about it, especially after last Wednesday's episode with uh, all the big reveals. But talking about this, does it surprise you at all that this is the number one watched show on Disney Plus, that it beats The Mandalorian, which was not the all. number one? That Why not? Because of the, the history 
right? I mean, this is Ewan McGregor. This is big time uh, return to form. I mean, The Mandalorian was an unknown, right? It was exciting and interesting looking and, hey, this Western and, and whatever. But I think a lot of people who are outsiders might look at it and go, am I going to enjoy this? Do I really want to watch a Star Wars TV show? This one was a lot of hype based on a lot of kind of prestige going back to the George Lucas prequels and these callbacks and what revelations will we see from this legacy character that has as much... I should say screen time or screen time of the mind. We've been thinking about Obi-Wan Kenobi longer than anybody else. Right. I mean, you, you probably hear Obi-Wan Kenobi's name and, you know, his name in the hologram from, from Leia and the original almost more than anything else. And it rings Obi-Wan Kenobi. That name. Help me, Obi-Wan is, Kenobi. Right. You're you, my only hope. You see Darth Vader first. You hear Luke when Uncle Owen calls him. But, I mean, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Come on, just saying it. That name, it, it roots us and grounds us in the original Star Wars trilogy. So the idea that we're continuing on here to tell this story that, that predates that, of course, is just exciting, I think, to anybody, fans and, and casual fans alike. Well, one thing it does, too, Dan, is it combines, it, it has a way to bring together fans of the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. Remember, there's a lot of fans of the original trilogy that struggled with much of how the prequel trilogy I I'm think one of time, them. time is At helping time. to yeah. sort of sort of soothe that but there was a lot of negative feelings about different parts of the prequel trilogy but time has helped but the the kids that that was made for are now adults right. and Ewan McGregor's even made comments about that like he's like now that the kids and he always throws in almost as a snide aside who we made the prequel trilogies for right, right. Um, they're now grown up and they're excited to revisit and well and bring you, this all back together. And I think about so that, that helps. You've got now two generations. Right. Plus, you've got we've got our kids who are now who yeah. were too young for the prequels, really. I mean, they've watched them, but they do, they weren't around when they came out. They watched the sequel trilogy and they probably have better feelings about the sequel trilogy than many of us of the previous two Star Wars generations feel about it, which is great. I, I'm act, I actually am happy about that. I will never tell a kid that liked Rise of Skywalker or Force Awakens if they say that's their favorite. I'm going to be like, well, you can't possibly sure. be a Star Wars fan then. Well, I look at the sequel trilogy with these TV shows as way in the distant future because the reason it calls back to the original My Star and the prequels, Wars took place around well, <laughs> 3 ABBY. I think what you said about um, the prequels and my kids being too young, my oldest son was born the year that, that uh, Revenge of the Sith came out. And so, yes, they didn't see him in the theater. But then growing up, you had the Clone Wars and Rebels. So the animation, if you want to talk about combining eras, you have the original trilogy, you have the prequels, and you basically have everything in animation, which is this generation's There's a lot of it, universe. too, though. I mean, so Between Clone Wars, on. Rebels, right. and everything like my that. My kids, more than anything, we I would say that my Star Wars fandom was rekindled with animation, with my kids, because we didn't watch much of the Clone Wars, but then when Rebels came out, we really got into Rebels together. Yes. And then when Clone Wars hit Netflix, we went back and hit all the Clone Wars, and I thought... What did I miss? I cannot believe I missed the Clone Wars when it originally came out. And I'm so glad that thanks to streaming, boy, my son, my oldest, who's 17 now, he is obsessed with animation and 
but this is your son that's created some really cool cosplays too, right? Oh, absolutely. He does cosplay and he collects, he collects more than I do. And he collects the black series, six inch, I mean, crazy amounts of stuff. I I have to try to control him a little bit (laughs) because he's probably got, uh, I don't know, two dozen figures that are very nice. High, I say higher end, they're 25 bucks when you buy them, which is a lot lot for one figure. Anyway, the point being is that this show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, really brings together Parents, children, and, and we're going to talk about that, about children watching some of the content of this show. But boy, isn't it uh, the anticipation. So we haven't even started the content yet. The anticipation of this show was absolutely worthwhile and, and it, it warranted this type of buildup because not only did we wait for this since the end of Revenge of the Sith. We waited for a lot of these stories for 40 plus years, and 45 years since you say that. We did. I mean, we, we've been waiting since 2005, but I wouldn't say we were waiting for it to happen because all indications around circa 2005, 2006 were that that was yeah. never going to happen. Right. And so we may get some books someday that right. might talk about this or might not. Um, maybe with the Clone Wars animated series, it could lead. And then, you know, I think Rebels came out at right after Disney bought it. It was already yes, Rebels almost was on Disney deck. Property. Like it was already mostly produced it was disney yeah because it takes a couple of years from from the first script writing to the final product for the animated series one little episode with obi-wan kenobi with maul and he faces that was great it's it's sam whitward did the voice of both maul and obi-wan no steven stanton did obi-wan kenobi and and sam whitwer oh my kids do that one all the time where they go kenobi and he screams (laughs) kenobi in the middle of the tattooing desert you're in the wrong place yeah excellent excellent little taste of obi-wan kenobi but it just it, it kind of got the appetite going for what is this this show. So we waited, we waited. They were very, very secretive, and it became evident very quickly why they were so secretive about it. We'll get to that in a sec. But here is a clip from Obi-Wan. You still want Kenobi. He's gone. Maybe you've been looking in the wrong place. I want every lowlife and bounty hunter to squeeze him. They're coming. Stay hidden. Obi will not survive. Leave us alone. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father. Ouch. <laughs> Already you've got a burn. There's a meme Every going time about my kids burn. Hear that when they say, oh, sick burn. <laughs> and then have you seen the meme for that? Yeah. He, he who could burn couldn't save himself from being burned. That's right. Ah, <laughs> uh, Star Wars fans were one of a kind. So I got the goosebumps just listening to those clips again. Yeah. And it it is. It's a combination of things. One of the great things about Star Wars is that it brings out nostalgia even as it's giving you new things. It's it's hard to believe in some ways that it's been uh, 20, well, 22, 23 years since Phantom Menace, like yeah. over two decades. Right. And we'd only barely waited over two decades generation. from the original Star Wars yeah. to Phantom Menace. We've actually now waited the same time, almost exactly, from uh, Phantom Menace to today. Yeah. That we waited from the debut of A New Hope in 1977 to the debut of well, Phantom Menace in 1999. And from the end of How Return of the Jedi, it was only 16 years till The Phantom Menace, right. so, which felt but like which an felt eternity. Which felt like forever, exactly. <laughs> and you had the re-releases and the special edition and all that. But there were the dark times in the late 80s, early 90s. We are in such a renaissance of Star Wars right now that... 
anytime I hear any whining or complaining, especially about this show, I just want. Do you remember the Notebook? And there's it's like a meme and a gift where he says, "What do you want? No, what do you want?" And she says, "I don't know. I don't know. It's not that simple." And he goes, "No, what do you want?" And he yells it in her face. That's what I feel like with Star Wars fans who don't just eat this stuff up. It is so great. If I don't you know don't, what I want, but I know it's not this. Right. That's the th- if if you if you now, don't. <laughs> don't you love? We're getting into the reaction before the, yes. the meat and potatoes, but. If you don't just watch this and, like you said, get those nostalgic feels, right? Yeah. You had complaints, oh, too much green screen in the past. Okay, fine. You've got new technology that allows you to be within, immersed in these environments. Did you did you read the article? There was an article in Vanity Fair, really long piece. Yeah, yeah, Thankfully, yeah. they let everybody have free access to one article For sure, yes. in the month, this, and that was the one article. I spent it on. But talking about the set that they built, it's like a 360... It's like almost a dome. Yeah. I got the impression it was kind of like a dome where they can turn the background into any environment, 3D depth. I've been to a couple of plays on stage where I think a similar type technology is used where by the use of, of a hanging kind of almost a sheen curtain and then sure. projection, you can make a stage look like it's got buildings on there that would normally require painting and rolling down and everything. like. So just being able to do that live real time in front sure. of a real audience, being able to go a next step and do it for video, it, well, it, it makes perfect sense. And thank heavens, right? <laughs> well, this whole volume technology that they have now that they used for The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, now they've they taken just have it to, do to the, the floors, next level. Essentially. Right. Well, and, and certain And that's why they're on that sand they planets. They can just over. dump sand on the floor. <laughs> well, they got the sand. Uh, that's the funny thing that my kids said about this latest world. They said, oh, that looks... See, here's the cynicism that comes from my children of this generation that know about these technologies. And they say, oh, it looks like that was shot in California. And I go, Okay, yeah, it does. Well, welcome to everything However, ever filmed in the 1960s. Listen, though, when you watch this, let's kind of get into it. The, the first thing that I loved was the pace that allows you to reconnect, right, with, well, actually, let's start. The very first thing you see is the recreation of the uh, slaughter at the Jedi Temple, yes. right? Well, did, now, we watched the montage first, right? Oh, what a great montage it was. Yes. If you, because I thought, do we need to watch the prequels to catch up? No, and I no, hadn't no, quite no. done it. Then they give you four minutes of perfect recreation, a retelling of, hey, you want to know who Anakin and Obi-Wan are and how they connected and who they were? Uh, it would only have been better if they would have thrown in uh, you know, some of the Clone Wars interactions with right. the animation, but that would have distracted. I just thought, I mean, I was getting emotional watching it going, wait a second. These are brothers. When in, in Revenge of the Sith, when Obi-Wan says to him, you know, when he says, I hate you, that's what Anakin says. And he goes, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. You were supposed to destroy. I mean, when he says, angst-ridden, you were supposed to destroy the Sith, not join them. It almost makes me cry, honestly. I feel this yeah, but emotion. the music is also helping you. The, oh, the amazing oh, no score doubt. at that moment. Oh, so that connection that these two had and Obi-Wan leaves him a, a heaping, steaming, burning mess Believing that he's dead, and we know now that he, he officially bring believed it, he was he dead. He couldn't bring himself to strike the killing right. blow. Right. But he also believed, and, and really, if the Emperor hadn't shown up, he would have died. He would have died. Yeah. It was, um, because the Emperor says he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, but he was just laying there burned and right. groaning and... What the a droids up, didn't though. seem to be in a hurry to help him. No. The droids from that planet. What a tee up to the show, though. Yeah. Letting you, reminding you, anyone who has forgotten and who's not like me or us or anybody who watches Star Wars consistently, and said, "Oh yeah, that's Anakin. That's Obi Wan. They met when Anakin was a child, and Obi Wan was like his older brother, and then he was his mentor, and then Obi Wan's greatest failure in life." was that Anakin had joined the dark side right before he died, quote-unquote, died. Right. 
on Mustafar. I mean, what pure, pure evil striking down children in the Jedi Temple. It's the most dark setup to a, a villain. Actually, that is Darth Vader. It was rough timing for the for that such it a show was. to come out to yes. the point that Disney put a, a well, disclaimer that, that hit hard just to give people a heads up that. Well, so that's kids get, are going to get shot at school at the first min, you know, first, you know, after the, the teachers, four minute montage. Right. Right. We never got to see either the teachers defending the children in the original in Revenge of the Sith because you see Anakin in the 501st walk up the steps and he goes right. into that room. That also gets me emotionally every time I see it where he says, Master Skywalker, what shall we do? And he ignites the blade and the little kid flinches. God, I, I get chills even right now saying it. This took it to the next level and showed these teachers, these brave Jedi teachers, instructors, defending these children, right. trying to get them away. And you don't realize, Andy, when you watch that first scene, oh, they're showing us again. Wait a second. Are they showing us someone of importance? I've Makes decided, you wonder. Uh, well, I've decided that they are uh, as we move into Kenobi now. As we, as we knew we were going to get to Tatooine and we see Obi-Wan Kenobi, what were your first thoughts when you saw this uh, butcher meat? Packing plant worker. <laughs> well, I was wondering if that was a crate dragon that they were cutting mm-hmm. up the meat of. Kind of like a giant, uh, and it's like a moving, ray, a moving like a slaughterhouse. Ray. Like, oh, got to got to set up there now. Well, and they, and they told used us the in, bones of the crate dragon for shade. Would you like how Book of Boba Fett kind of set us up to the former oceans of Tatooine when they said this used to be f- water filled with water, and so then you've got kind of this manta ray looking sideways. I creature. didn't know what the. I, I assumed it was a crate dragon. I, I wasn't I, sure. I, I thought it was like an old sea creature, and I'm like, how is the? I guess the meat is preserved in the in the arid climate of. <laughs> You know how sometimes I didn't mummies, even think that far. I just mummies thought mummies get to be. Preserved. Oh, we saw a crate dragon get killed, and we saw the Jawa scavenging it for Go food. Watch it again. I'm going to say it's a sideways manta ray. You look at this thing; it looks like an old sea creature thing. Well, it was one of the space harvesting. whales from uh, Rebels. There you go. Well, that crashed on like Tatooine. That. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, but so we get started, and the, what I took from the first portion is Obi Wan is living the mundane. Everything is the same every day, right? Um, incredibly boring. He cuts himself a little shard. He does his work all the day. Didn't cut it for himself. He doesn't though, say he didn't realize he was cutting it for his yopi for his for his uh, his animal. Right. And the question was, was he stealing it? I don't well, know. Well, what if I that liked was about it, one quarter portion. <laughs> Obi Wan. Right. Well, he has to take the extra portion for his kid. Well, what I liked about it though, it was telling us with no dialogue for the first several minutes. What kind of a person Obi Wan Kenobi was, and I, I like that storytelling because sometimes he couldn't bury all the goodness in him, even though he was. But then, okay, well, that's re- the kind of person he is. But then, shortly after that, when the Inquisitors come to the planet, they're yeah. flushing out Jedi. They flush out the young Jedi kid, yeah. and he goes to Obi Wan for help. Yeah, and Obi Wan's like, "Well, stay hidden." And then the next that, day, dude's hanging in the square. Well, before that, you understand that Obi Wan won't even help a guy in front of him in the line. They said, wait a second, this is, this is half my normal pay. And the guy shoves him, and he looks at Obi-Wan, are you going to say something? Obi-Wan doesn't say a word. So we're getting the idea that nothing is worth uh, interfering. Nothing is worth sticking up for anyone and bringing attention to yourself, even the life of a former fellow Jedi. And it breaks your heart, but... Yeah, it's a tough choice to well, make. You understand, though, when he goes outside the Lars homestead and he's watching a young okay. Luke Skywalker. We understand having watched all of the movies yes. since. Now, And that's interesting, too, because all the way, you know... Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view as Obi-Wan. point of view. But that <laughs> is true. Like, if you watch, George Lucas even himself said, if you watch 
the the movies in the order. They came out. You know, that's the experience that we've all had. But he says if you watch them from one through six, he goes, now the only person who doesn't know Vader's Luke's father is Luke. And you're waiting yeah. for him to finally get that information, sure. which is an interesting, you know, a, a different viewpoint. So we know why Obi-Wan has to let this Jedi right. go. Yeah. He can't do more because the mission of keeping and preserving Luke as the hope right. to one day dethrone Vader, it ain't the kid. Unfortunately, it ain't the Jedi that came up to help him is not right. going to be the one that's going to save Vader. It. But we also know that. So I felt kind of with some people were like, wow, Obi-Wan's really in a dark place. And I'm like. No, Obi-Wan's doing what he has to do. It's true. And I, I thought, know, I looked at what, does it that mean to, what does that mean about my heart? Am I, what, well, what, what personality test did I just fail by well, agreeing I, with Obi-Wan? I think it says more about the impossible position that Obi-Wan Kenobi has been put in, and that's why he is so defeated um, when he tells the other Jedi, listen, we lost. It's over. Go into hiding. And we find out later he's literally buried the lightsabers together, yeah. Anakin's and his lightsaber, the sign and symbol of the Jedi. And he uses a blaster throughout this thing, and he uses hand-to-hand well, hand combat throughout this thing. He's a warrior. Uh, however, and this is kind of jumping the gun, we see later on, once he does reignite the saber, he's rusty. And But it makes sense to me. It makes sense. I was looking at some criticism online with, why isn't Obi-Wan this or that? Because he, 10 years, people, 10 years he's been on Tatooine, has not left the planet in 10 years, is what we come to believe. Right. Has not left Luke's side. He is crazy Uncle Ben. I mean, I say Uncle Ben. He's not an uncle, but he's uh, Uncle Owen. Or rice maker. He doesn't make rice either. But he's not unknown to Luke Skywalker. I know he kind of sets the ship there, which is fantastic, which is the one that Luke is playing with in A New Hope, you know, zooming around. Except for he gives gives it back. Don't give him this stuff. We know he'll get it at some point. But let me me throw this out there. That, by the way, is the Skyhopper. This, that's uh, the ship he flies that we never get to hopper. see. That's the one whose fin is all uh-huh, busted up. It's yes. a model of the Incom Skyhopper. Got it. See, that's why I rely on your your deep knowledge here. Um, I love the fact that this series is giving characters, I think, an incredibly deep storyline. Uncle Owen in the first one was, ah, Luke, here I am trying to prevent you from going to the Academy, keeping you from the harvest. Yeah, you have too much of your father, blah, blah, blah. And then he's dead. Then we see a quick Uncle Owen who is, uh, you know, he's there with, with his, with his Klieg father, Lars. Klieg, Lars, and, and Shmi. He knows of Anakin's mother, but he doesn't know Anakin much. Anyway, you don't get a, a whole lot. This shows that Uncle Owen cares about him a lot. And really does. He says to, to Obi-Wan, you don't care about him. You care that he's showing. New term. I don't think we've ever had that term in Star Wars. Showing. What is it? Force-sensitive abilities. You want to know if he's showing. So Owen is tough, too. Owen stands there face-to-face with the Inquisitors. Yeah. What? And you're wondering, is he going to... I mean, he could have given some up of the ten, Some of the tension is gone because it doesn't you know, matter if he gives up Obi-Wan. Sure. He's you not going to die. Well, you know, Obi-Wan's not going to die either, right? Right. And so, but... but Man, I was, but I was tense. you can still put yourself in the moment of like... That's a pretty tough choice if you're you're Owen. I think it just gives Owen a lot of credit, which he never really had before. He didn't think about it. I didn't know we were going to get this. Fantastic. Okay, then how about the next... Well, let's talk about the Inquisitors first. What did you think of them? Because you've seen Rebels and you've seen the Inquisitors. Is that... Yeah, I I don't care that his head is too fat for the Inquisitor. Um, I didn't realize until I watched this show that he's from Utapau. Yes, which it took me a bit with the lines and, the, think, and, and yeah. when we finally saw up close, he had the razor well, teeth. Because he didn't quite look like those uh, that we saw. Well, in I didn't Revengers realize Seth. that uh, the Grand Inquisitor was an Utapound from the Rebels series either. Yeah. I just I finally it put it all apparent. together, yeah. uh, and then it was apparent in this. 
Um, I think the Inquisitors are cool. Since I was familiar with them, it wasn't weird. I I still kind of wonder, like, we're wiping out the Jedi. Why yeah. are we force training? And if it's a rule of two, sure. like, what does the Emperor think of Inquisitors? How much yeah. does the Emperor know about the Inquisitors? Uh, they some... report directly to Vader. They don't go around him to go higher up the right. ladder, which I thought maybe with some of the comic book uh, iterations. Well, I just of, figured that they yeah. would like that's the thing of the Sith users like Vader's pretty powerful, but I want to get to the real well, power. You say they report directly to Vader. And yet when that uh, which brother is that with the hat? fifth brother? OK, so fifth brother says to Reva in episode in part two or, or part three, either one, he says you spoke directly to Vader. Or he says, you spoke directly to Vader. Like, as if that is not a normal thing to communicate directly with Darth Vader. They usually probably get orders from him, but they don't talk to him. So what I liked about, before we get to Darth Vader, I will say after watching it three times, I've watched all three episodes three times, I like Reva more now. At first, it's not as if she completely threw me out of it, but I was wondering about her. Who is this and why is she allowed to say these things? And Because the Grand Inquisitor in Rebels is absolutely terrifying, vicious, uh, you know, it's just very well, interesting. Well, he was pretty rough on the people was, in this one, too, and he chops kinda, up the one guy. Well, I was waiting to get up to that point. And I, but I do like Reva a lot now, and I'll tell you why when we get to the other parts. But um, now, how about the huge reveal on Alderaan? And that was okay. So I, I asked you before we started the series. I wanted to. You didn't want me to say anything, not even like one word to you. Right. No, I wouldn't look at you. Yeah. And I wanted to just say one word to you and just say, hey, I, there was there's one word I want to give to you. And, and I it. want to see <laughs> how you um, as you watch it. Sure. What what is your thought is what do I mean when I said finally? Yeah. So I wanted to tell you that before and say I've said finally. finally. It's got well, now that I know that we're talking about Leia, it's got to be finally we get to see Leia, right? Grow up and kind of. It was more that we backstory. finally get to see Alderaan. Oh man! Now we we've see seen one, it for one, one second clip. Oh, in Revenge of the Sith. I got chills just now. And look, guys out in the audience, you know I am a Star Wars obsessed geek fan, fanatic, crazy person. Okay. When I saw this, I think we might have paused it, or else I just out loud said to my kids, "Oh, look, it's Alderaan! Oh my gosh, look how gorgeous!" You know. Yeah. And it's 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 bittersweet. I'm looking, going. That's what they destroyed in the blink of an yes. eye. Oh my goodness! I, I'm, I'm almost in a weird way disappointed that it's taken us this long because up until this point, Alderaan is Leia's planet with air quotes. Right. But what do we know about it? It's nothing bluish looking. Well, do you know what Alderaan looks like? It's to me? peaceful. They have no weapons, but we don't yeah. know. We don't know what it looks like. We get to see it for a split second, right? In Revenge of the Sith, and now, and for me, the finally was seeing. I was really surprised to see Leia. Yes, I, oh, I really yeah. was. Yeah, I, I was like, thought I mean, about it makes it sense, but I wouldn't have figured that anything would involve Leia. Right. So, getting to see Alderaan, getting to see the Organa family, getting yes. to see some of the the politics involved, all this stuff. I mean, Alderaan was a major player in the galactic cosmos, and we've never gotten to see it. We right. could have seen it in the prequel trilogy. We could have seen it in Rogue One. I mean, we theoretically could have sure. seen it in the. They would have made sense that that story could take you to Alderaan. Right. Before it was destroyed. But this is our first chance to see it planet level. We get to see young Leia. Uh, I will say, let's just jump into it. What do you think about young Leia? It took me a little bit to get used to her, but she really apes what I remember of Carrie Fisher. Or I, she certainly okay. fits in what I could yeah. imagine a young Carrie Fisher version of Leia would well, be. And here's the thing. I am not even going to address all of the criticism, but I'll, I'll, I don't know. I I hope, I, I'm going to my opinion. There's my no, there can't be criticism for a well, kid. It can't be criticism for a kid. It's fine. They're what, a kid. Whatever criticism you have of the storyline, here's what I think of it. And, and hopefully it addresses some of that. 
in, in my take on it. First of all, I was all in immediately. I thought, oh, fantastic. Young Leia, great. Okay. Um, seeing Flea as from Red Hot Chili Peppers as the, uh, as the, uh, what do you, what do you, bounty hunter or whatever he was. Yeah. A lot of people say, ah, oh, that took me out of it. Not me. I, don't, I, I thought it was, hey, cool, Flea. I thought it was great I that it finally it brought great. the Back to the Future sure. and Star He's, Wars yeah, universes right. together. <laughs> of course. Um, young By Leia. the way, he played Needles in Back to the Futures 2 and 3, Nobody just calls in me case. Chicken needles. Nobody. Exactly. Oh, yeah, just in case somebody didn't know that. Prove it, McFly. Okay, listen. I have a daughter who is nine years old, pushing 19. <laughs> this little girl, they're like, oh, here we got a spunky girl. I'm sorry, this is exactly like a nine-year-old, ten-year-old would act. My daughter says the silliest, craziest, most poignant and bizarre things that as I watched young Leia, first of all, let's remember, not even what we're talking about, nine, ten years later, Princess Leia aboard a a ship in custody says, oh, Tarkin, starts knocking him, starts knocking Vader to his face. She is fearless. She is, has so much attitude. Oh, what you're talking in I'm talking a new Carrie hope. Fisher in a okay, new so hope. when she's 19, immediately right? when we meet Carrie Fisher nine years later, she, this I can see this little girl, this ten year old, being Carrie Fisher. Well, and that's being that Leia. to me is the key because we already know does it fit? And I think we are. If it was just her, you'd be just like, oh, great, here's another adult a kid that adults are writing to speak like and an you're adult, pushing it forward. This kind of an agenda. No, no. But since we already know how her character right. is, she yes. actually fits. Yes. This is one time we're actually going back and doing something different. Actually works and helps make the character even yeah. better over the course of all of her life, I thought. And it did. It took me a couple of episodes. Like, my brother texted me, and, and he was like, I like it. And I was like, I like her, but she's just a little bit annoying. Give me a little bit more. But by the third episode, I was I was all in. I was yes. sold. She's great. And she looks enough like Carrie Fisher. Agreed. I mean, that's the funny thing, is you always think... I was thinking about this for the Winning Time series on HBO about the Lakers and Celtics. You figure you can get somebody that looks like somebody you're used to, right. or you can get somebody who acts. But to find one who can act and yes. happens to look like this very specific person you're looking for, that feels like it's pretty lucky. Like, it's really lucky. And well, it feels lucky. I think it's very good. I'm happy lucky. But. Oh, I think it's just fantastic to get, again, true deep Star Wars fans who have been longing for just a lot more color and context surrounding things that you've imagined. Having Bail Organa, yes, Jimmy Smith is older, so what? I don't care. <laughs> the fact that he's there it doesn't matter. on a balcony talking about past Carthul or whatever this mountain range was, just tiny little lines that George Lucas was so brilliant in painting a picture. One of the first lines from C-3PO in A New Hope was about the spice mines of Kessel, right? Okay, so we've got that. We've got this richness where you don't have to know what he's talking about. You don't have to know. The exposition doesn't have to tell every last... Right. See, exposition to exactly. me... Exactly. So this, this series to me, when it started off with limited dialogue and yet told and divulged about these characters through actions and through scenes. I loved that. The fact that you have little scenes and dialogues and conversations also that just kind of pepper in things that you can think about afterward. You can you can you can fill in all these blanks by these little comments. I love that because I hate the exposition that says, "Don't you know that the reason we're walking over here is that we're doing this and that?" It just it has to tell the whole story in a cheesy way. This one, I love the pace of development. And then, of course, once it gets to, you know, part two and three, and then it's off to the races and you're going, holy 
cow. <laughs> this is crazy. I, I like seeing Leia's mom too, Brea oh, Organa. We did, we've only heard her referred to. We saw her, we saw her for even less than we saw the planet Alderaan in episode of three holding of holding Leia, the baby, yeah. and we got a chance to hear from her. You assume she must be an amazing woman because she's the one who had the most direct influence for over sure. Leia all of the nineteen years before uh, Alderaan was destroyed. And so, uh, you know, those moments when Obi Wan looks at uh, Leia and and you know. She doesn't know who he is, and she doesn't know how he's related. That very funny line, are you my father? Oh. I wish I was. But see, I, you say funny line, I thought it was heartbreaking. There's so many moments in here where well, I go. both, but it was a oh. funny, like, <laughs> she doesn't speaking know, of that, you well, have no idea honestly, who your dad is. She doesn't know her birth mother, her birth father. She understands that she's kind of an outcast in this uh, she was adopted and her cousin tells her such right that she's this she's not a true organa and yeah. then bail comes in with a great fatherly moment again these touching moments that i'm and looking they don't for take in this too story. long for exposition either like nope, that's the nope, thing nope. they don't feel like a long drawn out scene just so they can get bail acting like a father figure like they found a way to just in. make it just kind of flow naturally right. there's a party a party's a great way for a cousin to show up say a snide thing did you so notice, that bail uh, can come and fix it you know 3po in the background and I think uh, R2-D2 think as did. well. Oh, yeah. And I think I did. They didn't, you didn't quite hear him. You could kind of hear him in the background. And my kid's like, that's 3PO. Look at his, uh, look at his leg. Look at R2. You're like, oh, okay. Well, Captain Antilles is their owner. I mean, he's Alderanian. He has yeah. to be. Because Captain Antilles might have been there for all we know. Right. Or he was out sure. working on the ship. Working but. with Bale. Yeah. Anyway, uh, going on from there, as, as you move forward and you get Reva and you're wondering about her motivations... It's revealed. It's actually the first time I watched it, I'm thinking, okay, what's her deal? And then the next couple of times that I watched it, I go, okay, well, she's got a bone to pick with the Jedi because I believe, and I I think, I don't know if this is obvious, but I believe she was there at the temple. She gets abandoned by the, uh, the, the Jedi. He calls them, she calls them cowards. Um, And so this is a personal vendetta. She's allowed herself to be taken to the dark side. It's a lot about power with her, but it's a lot about resentment and, and, and a personal vendetta against Obi-Wan Kenobi. But ambition, too. Like, oh, for sure. I oh, she wants to get, get in a good place with Vader, for sure. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a personal connection. to. I hadn't thought. I, I never per, felt like as I was watching it that she had a personal connection to Obi-Wan. And that may turn out to be the case. That wouldn't surprise me since you say it. But mine was just my thought was like she understands what Kenobi means to Vader more, I think, than the other Inquisitors do and realizes if she can deliver him like there's nothing that they could do. um, There's nothing that they could do that could surpass for what what that would mean in Vader's eyes than her delivering Obi-Wan. And she obviously knew enough to know that Obi-Wan had left him wounded. How she knows that, I don't know. Maybe that'll be revealed. Right. Because she's like, he's not dead. Like, do you, can you imagine Darth Vader saying, okay, Inquisitors, gather around while I tell you the history of see, how I ended I... up in this armor. So she knows something. Yes. However that is, I she it's... knows more about that relationship yeah. than the other Inquisitors do, or they know, don't care. I don't know if they will show it or not, but I believe that she was in the Jedi Temple and glanced over and saw Anakin leading the charge and realized he had turned and then allowed herself to be convinced, wait a second, he was he was right, the Jedi are corrupt and and then she sees that they also were not I think it's very deep rooted, they did not protect us. Yoda didn't protect us, Obi Wan didn't protect us, they took off, they did not die here 
protecting these children, and I was that child. I, I, again, I think it's a very deep kind of a thing. But anyway. Okay, so since you brought that, that was one of the things I was going to ask you, is do you think that the Inquisitors are essentially those kids that got away at well, the beginning some, of the I episode? I think the line, I, just, I watched it again yesterday, and the line is, Obi-Wan says, some of them are former Jedi. Or he says, many. The word is many. Many of former Jedi who have, to, you know. So many were former Jedi because they were the Force sensitives that once Anakin and or the Emperor decided to keep these ones around, we'll turn them. And they were able to turn them. I mean, look, the whole original trilogy, they're trying to turn Luke. And they think that there may be an opportunity to do so. And then Darth Vader says to him in Return of the Jedi, if you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will, your twin yes. sister, right? So they're always working to turn turn people to the dark side because they know the seductive nature of the dark side is too much uh, if you're force sensitive. So, Well, and I just, for better or worse, I read the novelization of Rise of Skywalker over the last couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it didn't, it helped a few things in the movie because you were allowed to hear thoughts and things like that that we didn't get to hear otherwise through dialogue in the movie. So knowing some of the thoughts that Leia had, since obviously they couldn't have Carrie Fisher speak any sure. of those lines, uh, knowing some of the thoughts that Ray had and, and knowing that the, the novelizations under the Disney label are considered canon. Right. Um, this idea of when you kill a Sith, the, the emperor had figured out that he can like send his essence into them. That's essentially what he was saying to Ray. Kill me now, Ray, sure, so I can yeah. take over you. Right. Send my essence. So there's this whole thing about the Sith dying and being able to send their essence into, into each other. Sure. That, um, I forgot why I even brought this up. <laughs> well, I was just, Whatever. With- but it, it made That's what triggered me was this thought of the, of the Sith and, um, uh, like needing them to to right. gain power well, so from each other. Force sensitives, obviously, they're going to use beings that are force sensitive. Yeah. To so their the own idea of turning purposes. him to the dark side. Yeah. So Vader needed Luke to turn to the dark side. You know, in his mind, he was thinking of it. Uh, now I understand what I was saying. He, right. In his mind, he was thinking of it as you and I together can destroy the Emperor and bring order to the galaxy, sure. which is really what he seemed to be after. Uh, is order right? You know, yeah. even when he was his conversations with Padme back on Naboo was. You know, like this is just kind of a bunch of disorder. We need to get this organized. Here's what you do: you tell them the right thing to do, and then you make them do it. Right. And yeah. So, Which, you but know, for look, the emperor, Luke then becomes the replacement for the disappointment that Vader was by being sure. defeated by Obi Wan and now being a shell. I mean, super powerful still, but not powerful well, like he was and the when fact he was that still he wouldn't human. have to have a, a robot, you know, more right. machine than man. You could have a man, right? Who, who is so fully... the emperor is fine for turning, but the emperor's already thinking, well, good. I, and then I don't need you anymore, Vader. Right. Um, so that kind of puts Vader in the position of where we get to see him now, which is fully powerful, dark side wielder who is, I, I, if not trying to prove himself constantly. Well, no, he is because that's his master. His master is Sidious. And Sidious yeah, they have a requires, sick, twisted re- relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's never been good, but Anakin doesn't have anybody else now. How about Darth Vader, man? Darth Vader. Okay. Wow. We're going to talk about that Oof. after the break because Let's that up. that by itself, you know, when I was re-watching, I found myself partially not caring about the whole rest of the episode, yeah. episode three <laughs> of, of Obi-Wan. I was like, Vader. when do we get to Darth Vader? Because I got to see that again. But that's how I felt about the Phantom Menace after a while, too. All right. When do we get to Duel of the Fates? Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. 
I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Fan Effect, Obi-Wan. Need no more intro than that. Dan Spindle from KSL TV is with me. And now we get to the part of the Obi-Wan series that uh, we were promised early on. We got a tease at the end of the episode of episode two when we see Vader in the back to tank open his eyes. Well, that was after the first one, wasn't was it? Was that the first one? Yeah, after the first okay, one. Okay, so the end of the very Anakin. first episode. <gasps> oh, see, now I've got my timeline mixed up. Is that when he found out that Anakin was still alive? I swear yeah, that was at the end of episode w- two. Uh, well, no, because oh, now we're going to be messed up. <laughs> but at any rate, at the Fine, end of one of the episodes, uh, Obi-Wan learns that Anakin's right, alive. Yeah. Obi-Wan uses the Force, which is, I'm assuming, kind of how Vader finally knows for sure. Because I'm, I'm guessing the Grand Inquisitor believed Kenobi was alive, but didn't know it until... Until he appeared on that planet. It was planet. the end of part two. You're Dai, right. Dai, I was. believe. Dayu. Dayu. Dayu, yeah. On that planet. Cool planet. Yeah. Like uh, Tokyo. No, can <laughs> a whole I tell planet you I, full of Tokyo. Can I tell you what I liked about the beginning of that was that uh, the, the person who approaches Obi-Wan and says, hey, you want to buy some of the spice or whatever? And, and he they have this exchange. I thought it was, again, I'm not knocking the prequels. I'm just saying in the prequels when the guy says, hey, you want some death sticks? And he goes, you don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You're going to go home and think about your life. I'm going to go home and think about my life. It's just kind of a cheesy But that thing. was a fun way to it see him funny. use the force mind But in influence. this case, I thought... Taking things seriously, it's very serious. Am I the only that, one that got Breaking Bad vibes when he's walking through the lab in like? Oh boy, that was full on. Oh, yeah. I looked at the kids and said, "There are a lot of drugs in this uh, Star Wars planet." But did you know that's his daughter? That's Ewan McGregor's daughter. Oh, I didn't says, know hey, that. Old man, do you want some of this stuff? And she goes, "Hey, listen, if your daughter's here, you never see her again. But uh, take three of these, you'll never know that she existed." I'm going, "Oh my gosh, this is it's just so serious." And then when you see, how about this other reveal? Uh, I was going to call him Rex. <laughs> you see, uh, oh, Tim yeah, Morrison. Tim Morrison. As a, uh, a vet of the Clone Wars and what happens to those clones afterwards, this guy either had his chip fried or whatever happened because you kind of figure maybe he'd sense a Jedi or something. Well, I got but the impression that that's what happened to a lot of clone troopers. Once Order 66 was executed, there was no need for them done. anymore. Oh, he gets cast aside. That was a very kind of real world thing, too, to go veterans and homeless and what happens to them afterward. And it was just a sad moment, but but very interesting in canon. Good soldiers follow seeing, orders. Yeah, finally seeing, you know, like a Tem Morrison clone. Anyway, Dayu... I thought it was a fascinating planet, looked great, very much what George Lucas had looked to create for his Star Wars television show that never was. It was called 1313 or whatever. Uh, I loved it. I love just being immersed in that world and kind of knowing that Obi-Wan's on his own. He says, I'm trying to track this ship. Well, you can't track that here. This is Dayu. You know, there's... Everything keeps you from being tracked. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Which is why there's a bunch of underworld stuff. Lots of underworld stuff. Okay, so now we're on... We're going to get to Darth Vader, I promise. We will. But we're on on Dayu and we meet... Kumail Nanjani's uh, character, oh, Haji. Loved him. Here's an interesting question for <laughs> loved you. Loved him. <laughs> Do you think he's a real Jedi? No. Are you sure? I, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, if he's... Because first you're supposed to think he is a real Jedi. Then you realize he's doing all these tricks with magnets. Right. Then he suddenly knows who Obi-Wan is. I think <laughs> this is a Jedi hiding in plain sight as a shyster. I really do. He could be. That's what I think. Look, I, I usually, again, the slapstick stuff for me is kind of difficult. I love Kamel Nanjani, by the way. He's one case, of the funniest people. Well, I was going to say, in this case, I really did enjoy 
So I'm going, what's this guy doing? What's his deal? Oh, this is perfect. He's, a, he's, I mean, it's this little Oliver Twist kind of thing. He's got his kids out in the streets. Hey, I could, hey, we could help you out. We got a Jedi over here. Then the Jedi, ah, yes, I feel the force flowing through me. The, I love how he tells his contact, this is a Jedi mind trick. He tells him it's a Jedi mind trick. Or when he's like, we're going to do this over the phone. I'm out of your mind. Oh, no, I'm out. Okay. I thought it was funny. I really enjoyed the fact that he kind of faced off with Reva towards the end yeah. and, and she didn't but kill see, him. But see, that was the thing. Ow. So that became the noble. This is why I thought he was a Jedi, kind of a noble thing. For sure. Um, like, he why knew would who Obi-Wan was. And it, it then it made perfect sense of like, why not hide in plain sight? Sure. If, why You Nobody pretend to be a Jedi and then if they bust you, they see the magnets and like, oh, you're right. obviously not a Jedi. Right. That's a great way to hide being a Jedi. Sure. Is to look like somebody trying to pretend to be a Jedi, but with tricks. Yeah. So, We'll see if for that sure. comes back. I can't believe that a guy of that wattage is only going to be in the show for oh, that I little bit of a thing. Uh, he, I thought his, I thought it was just great. I just really enjoyed that element of it. I really enjoyed it. So we find out. So a couple before we actually get to Vader himself. These are some questions I wanted to ask you. What did you think about? Um, you mentioned it already, but. Oh, I was going to say, what did you think Reva's story is? But you kind of already answered yeah, that. Yeah, I really so. do think Reva was at the temple, was a youngling, was being trained, watched everyone get slaughtered in front of her, maybe even saw Yoda and Obi-Wan take off or something. Or I mean, I guess they were in different parts of the galaxy. I mean, No, they ended she, up at the temple changing the beacon. They ended up at the temple. Was she in there, though, at the time? What did she see? Whatever she thinks she saw, she feels abandoned by the Jedi and maybe was saved by Anakin or something, or maybe was... Well, I mean, obviously, she was allowed to Well, live. they're hunting for sensitive children. They right. made that clear that they're doing that across the whole so, galaxy. whether it was there or somewhere else, I believe she felt that the Jedi completely abandoned everyone who's Force-sensitive and that uh, uh, Vader was able to convince her and convert her. That's okay. what I think. So then the other question I had is, how do you personally, as a longtime Star Wars fan, had you ever thought about when Anakin found out or when Obi-Wan found out Anakin was still alive. In my mind, I always assumed he put two and two together, yeah. basically from Tatooine. Like, he heard there was a Darth Vader, then he heard about what was going on, and then he thought, okay, somehow he must have survived that. But I liked, just on a personal, like, I enjoy watching movies and hearing stories told, I liked that he found out this way of, like, no, that can't be. And how do you like he's got and the, the ringing in his some ears? Some people didn't like some. Apparently, the the showrunner Deborah Chow and I don't remember who wrote it, but I think um, Favreau helped writing it. But he didn't do the most of the writing. But it was they went and said, "Hey, can we do this? Does Obi Wan like they went to Does Pablo Hidalgo, fit, who's essentially right, yeah. the holocron right. for everything, and said, "Can we have Obi Wan find out this way? Is there anything anywhere else in canon?" That would contradict sure. him finding out here. And he's like, there really isn't. So this is now official. I, I, I kind of thought he always knew. See, I thought. But I like that he figured it out. Once Revenge of the Sith came out, and I thought made it pretty clear when he leaves him to die on the shores of the lava river on Mustafar. I assumed at that point he thought Anakin was dead, right? Well, I thought he would be dead shortly, but he couldn't bring himself to beat to deal the death blow. And so I don't think there was any evidence to to suggest that he would, on Tatooine, be thinking. And I kind of hoped that this would be the case, too, as as I envisioned this series coming out. I thought, I bet you Obi Wan is going to find out somehow, right? There's going to be a specific moment to find out this is how he knows. Because obviously, he he didn't want to believe and he didn't feel through the force. And I mean, he's, he's relatively, I don't know if you want to say cut off from the force, but I mean, he's trying to he make did. himself, he's making himself as inconspicuous as possible. If, if he cuts himself off from the force, 
I think he did only because it took until Leia was nearly at the ground before he and finally decided see, to use the yes. force again. It was cute that she said, I want to float. Make me float. Can't you guys make people float? And so he yeah. has to do it. But you saw the exertion that it took as he hung over the side of that building yes. to save her life. It was not an easy thing for Obi-Wan Kenobi, who we know to be a powerful Jedi Master. It he, was. He's, he's working his way back here. Your powers are weak, old man. Yeah. All right, so that was Let's, what I wanted to yeah. do. All right, without any further ado, I mean, all right, we got to hear this first. <laughs> because this is as much there associated is, yes. with him as anything else. But we finally, in episode three, get to see the greatest villain, wow. movie villain of all wow. time. Wow. How do you feel like, uh, before we get in, how do you feel his reveal was handled? Well, the, the first reveal, time we see him is this. The Grand Inquisitor means nothing. Kenobi is all that matters now. Is that understood? Oof. Oof. Yes, my lord. Oh, perfection. I have now. been watching you, third sister. <laughs> I know what it is you seek. Prove yourself, and the position of Grand Inquisitor is yours. Oh, really? Thank you, Lord Vader. And then he says... And if you fail me, you will die. You won't live long <laughs> won't enough live to regret, regret it. <laughs> now, listen. Kay. The first time we saw, though, was when he was being assembled. Yes. We've never seen an assembly of Darth Vader this way. They showed his severed... Although, but we saw that in the trailer, so... Well, but they, but they, not this full thing where they show his limbs hanging off and they show everything go in. I mean, you did see Okay, we didn't pieces. see the spine. That's true. I mean, That's there were, true. it was just to the nth degree of what you ever pictured, Darth Vader being assembled. Holy cow. Okay. I thought gruesome, grisly, pure pain is what Darth Vader is. His whole existence is pain, right? Now, I say that having a little... I think we've talked about this before. I read the book Lost Stars, which is canon because it's in the Disney era. Fantastic for anyone who wants to read a great... I don't read a lot of Star Wars literature. Lost Stars is fantastic. That talks a lot about the survival suit that is his life yes. the breathing apparatus and i believe it's the, in canon that the emperor deliberately made it so he never oh, heals it looks like it stabs right through him i mean it's it, yeah that would make sense for the idea to is do to that. Yeah, keep him in pain keep Pure him angry pain. keep him in the dark side so you see that but then it goes back to old school original darth vader speaking forcefully like a way we have not heard since return of the jedi and the reason we haven't heard it since return of the jedi is because james earl jones real voice of 2015 technology or 2016, whatever it was, for Rogue, for Rogue One. One, was a weaker voice. And he sounds a little, it's, he sounds like an 80 something A little bit nasally. He's now sure. 91. Well, you do know, we were talking about this the other day. The one thing we did talk about, folks, was that re-speecher yes. is included in the credits. And it says, voice conversions provided by re-speecher. Now, that's this incredible technology that just with this one episode says to me, Darth Vader is now eternal. Like, wh what we have now is the way to convert James Earl Jones's voice into the Return of the Jedi-esque era voice. Yes. Perfect Vader. Powerful Vader. Evil. I mean, let's talk evil. We're, I mean, we're going to get to all the evil. <laughs> Holy cow. But just the way he's speaking to the hologram. That of the, sounded right. It just sounded perfect. Honestly, and I hate to say this, and you know, Tyson Webb, who's a good friend of, of the podcast, and he actually has a full Darth Vader um, cosplay. Oh, wow. Like uh, official. It's great. Yes. Oh, no, it's amazing. He, he's appeared at stuff for Screen the company ready. and different things. I believe it's officially 501st approved, oh, which means it has to like meet yeah. all these specifications. Oh, yeah. It's very good. 
he uh, studied like all of Darth Vader's appearances in the films. And, you know, when in Revenge of the Sith, when Darth Vader folded his arms on the bridge of the Star Destroyer at the end, he was really upset by that because Vader doesn't fold his arms. Vader hooks his thumbs into his belt. Uh Like that's the level that he had studied. And a cosplayer with no, yeah. Yeah. And so – uh, there are little things about Darth Vader that we've either consciously or subconsciously memorized. And yeah. so when I – Darth Vader, for better or worse, and I, I feel for David Prowse, but he's James Earl Jones. Like, yes, he's James Earl Jones. If we can't see the face, it's the voice. Sure. It's one of the things that we had a hard time with with Luke when it, when his face didn't look quite right. right. Yeah. Up until the moment that he talked, Luke moving with the lightsaber, being young, sure. doing all of the things was cool. But then the real, uh, you know, us grownups, and I'm assuming you were kind of like me, like, are they going to show his face? Sure. How's it going to look? And they fully did. It. And they yeah. fully did. And it looked good, but it didn't look 100% well, good. And then the, they fixed great. it by the Book yeah, of Boba Fett. Absolutely. So, well, but, but that's the thing. So now if they can do that, then we just need Mark Hamill's voice. Right. But with Darth Vader, it was always the voice. Like, Did you see the movie? It was always though? a voice. I, I no offense to David Prowse, sure. really none intended. But if if it was David Prowse's voice, then well, I would expect to hear David Prowse's voice. But you mentioned the movements, and that was Dave Prowse, who was this six foot yes. six whatever, yes. moving around in a strength uh, positioning, a, a bodybuilder type of yes. a way. So I will I, I'm say, not, I'm not minimizing. No, but, no, and I'm but for I'm the just character saying, of Vader to work right. The voice have, has to be right. Voice. The voice is perfect, but one of the movements right after he talked to Riva, and he's sitting on his throne, which we've never seen in his castle on yes, Mustafar. Yes, on Mustafar. He stands up and militarily does this side, like like uh, to the left movement or to the, I'm sorry to the right and moves over to the window it was just so exact in its motion that I swear someone must be looking like a movement coach and saying Hayden this is how Vader would move let's watch Dave Prowse he wouldn't saunter on over the, right. it would be about face movements very militaristic because well, and if you a think robot. he can't he, move he that can't, yeah athletically so it just worked perfectly yes. and it was such and, a and tiny hearing that voice touch it worked perfectly hearing that voice the Grand Inquisitor means it just nothing. Sounds so good. I love what he says. Kenobi Third is all sister. that matters now. Yeah, is that understood? Oh, is that understood. Yeah, and, and by it's the way, perfect. in a, an article it's on perfect. Slash Film, um, they did say the Reese feature was used, and when they asked Hayden Christensen if Jones was going to return to voice the character, he just said no comment. <laughs> so, well, no comment for that reason. <laughs> exactly. But I, that was I before the wondered, series came out. Well, too. and I even wonder if I don't know how the technology works. Perhaps it is a James Earl Jones setting that can make my voice sound like James Earl Jones. Because I figured as I'm listening back yesterday, I watched it again, and I thought it could be that Hayden kind of uh, did some pacing things and, 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 you know, metered out the dialogue. And then they used that to, to help it as well. However, they did it. It's it sounded Darth like his voice acting, not just saying yes. lines. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it doesn't oh, sound like, <laughs> would you like to take a call from the emperor? <laughs> no, no. And it's, and it's the, the, again, it's not monotone. The, the range. The like emperor. You said, what you just played Will with. Will you there. accept the charges? <laughs> Will you accept the charge? <laughs> Um, I just loved, loved the introduction and thought, oh, boy, what are we going to get now? Okay. And... The, per, I, the I'm pursuit. With you. I, I wondered, were we going to get the duel early or were we going to get the duel late? Oh, boy. Well, we got a duel early. So let's talk about the showdown. Yes. What have you become? I am 
what you made me. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Again, I really almost think that it's a Hayden-delivered line combined with the James Earl Jones feature on Respeacher. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Respeacher works, but if they can make him say I, stuff. I picture Anakin saying those lines of, you know, when just like on Mustafar when they exchange lines. I will say, too, every Darth Vader line in this part three I thought was so accurate to what I wanted to hear, what I believed he would say in the way that I thought he would say it. It was just so. That's why I thought it had to be James Vader Earl Jones lines. doing something because great Vader you lines. can't. I, I'm sorry, but there's no way that you can take Respeech and say, okay, what I really want is I want the up emphasis on this I syllable. Don't know, maybe maybe so. they can. Think about auto tune. It can make people sing in tune. Yes, Andy. but all that does is change pitch. <laughs> right. It doesn't take somebody who's singing flat monotone sure. and make the vocals go sure. up and down. That still has to be done by somebody. Agreed. That's yes. why I feel like Earl James Earl Jones voiced it and then they were able to use this to modulate it back sure. to the sound that it was 30 years Whatever ago. Whatever they've done. I love it. I want to throw them a parade. Please okay? do. Have Darth Vader I, I Read to sing their Winnie the Pooh, forever. and I will oh. buy that audiobook, okay? <laughs> Piglet, it is a blustery day. Um, I mean, look, so, boy, people are nitpicking this thing apart. Ah, look no, at them, they're, they're, fighting no in, nitpicking in, here. they're fighting in a construction zone. It made perfect sense to me. It was pure darkness, so you had the reflection of the blue and the red. Yes. You had, I mean, come on. Okay, they, they actually captured scenes from essentially... Every lightsaber duel. Yes. I mean, think about it. So the way the red and the blue is from Attack of the Clones when Anakin is dueling Dooku. Sure. After he cuts the power yeah. line, we got that. Oh, we got yeah, that. For we sure. got that similar visual. We got the steam from Bespin. We got Darth Vader fighting with one hand. We got. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, wasn't that incredible? Got, well, let's see. What else did I write down? Um, uh, I saw when the uh, cha- the, there's the chase like through Bespin. There's uh, the taunt kind of a thing similar to what he did in, in episode four. Uh, similar. Some of the vocal inflections I thought were a lot closer to revenge or for Return of the Jedi than they were. I mean, it was Obi-Wan and Anakin dueling again. So you could look at it as, um, you know, Mustafar, although obviously could, not nearly at the speed. But but it do was a shout out to the uh, sequel trilogy when um, uh, Kylo Ren's lightsaber, I believe, is one that goes to the ground in the snow and shoots up some of the steam. So Darth Vader takes his blade to the ground. Lights, whatever those things were. Knocks. Yeah, that was. So think of it as fuel. Because when I saw it, I'm yeah. thinking of some sort of a rock, which it I is. I thought it was like sharp flammable. things that he was going to throw. Oh, yeah. And then using the force. It really, I thought, was reminiscent for the Bespin duel. Almost sure. start to finish. For sure. There was a he lot the of steam, it. steam. Obi-Wan using the steam. I saw people joking about, okay, Vader. Nemesis, nemesis, that's dual nemesis, is sand. He hates sand and he hates steam. All okay. Vader hates steam. Here's the thing. <laughs> Has Vader ever lost a duel where you sprayed him with steam? I mean. Nope. No. He's but now look, two for two. Obi-Wan was in a bad way there, okay? He was in a bad way. When he, okay, let's talk about it. Okay. When he lit it on fire and pulled, first of all, he lifted people into the air, Andy. Have we ever seen that before? Ever. Yeah, we did. I'm talking. In Rogue One. Okay, in Rogue One, he oh, was oh, lifting sure, up some sure, of the sure. soldiers, but he throws him up against the roof. But the idea a- against a surface. This one, he's holding multiple people. We didn't even talk about the next snap. Wait, of who the else teenager. was he holding up besides Obi Wan? That guy out that he pulled him into the street, into the air. Oh, and right. And then his teenage son comes out, Dad, Dad, and he goes, snap, you're dead. He killed a child on camera yes. in front of everyone. We audibly in my house went, oh, like, oh, if you wanted to take Vader to that level. Of evil, I remember saying, "Wow, they uh, just I mean, did look, that." We know that he killed younglings. They do not show him 
kill and slaughter the younglings. This one was a child that he snapped his neck in the street. I, I, I had such, I don't want to say mixed feelings. It was... It works perfectly so for the character. Enjoying death and destruction is that is that the right thing to say? I didn't know what Nostalgia to say. Nostalgia is a powerful thing, oh Dan. Boy. It'll make you overlook oh a lot of goodness. things. Look, the fact that they showed this—that is Darth Vader. Yes, he, he, if he's crushing a larynx by holding a guy up by his neck or holding him in midair, which we saw him do, and then hold up Obi Wan Kenobi, who was no doubt the more uh, experienced Jedi back in the day. This is full-on Vader, dark side, hold him in the air, and, and Obi-Wan can do nothing about it. So let's it. talk about that. Obi-Wan was completely impotent against Vader. He was. How do you feel about that? Well, only because do I Do you think know he was just out happen. of practice? Yes. Do you yes. think that they'll ins- explain it in the show why he was beaten well, so easily and badly? I don't need know if they need to say too much be- uh, from what they've already said. He's been trying to reach out to Qui-Gon Episode after episode. Oh, yeah, that's kind of heartbreaking, too. That's Qui-Gon, you there? Qui-Gon. Why do they keep having him do that? They're showing that he, he does not have that level of spiritual connection right now, for whatever reason. The reason being, and I don't think he's purposely... Yeah, where are those exercises that Yoda supposedly well, gave him? Well, I think they did, but then I think something happened on Tatooine, or he decided, you know so what? So then will they explain the best, that? I don't know what if they need to. He'll say, you know what's going to happen? Qui-Gon, when he does appear to him... He's going yeah, to we're say, going to get a Liam Neeson sighting before sure this is all done. It, for sure. Even though Liam Neeson recently, they said, would you do it again? Oh, sure. If they wanted to call me up, I'd do it. Sure, I'd do it. Like, come on now, Liam Neeson. You know you already did it. <laughs> What's going to happen is, this is my opinion, you will get that connection because from the very first beginning in the cave, Master Qui-Gon, Master Qui-Gon, either, it's setting it up, obviously. You're going to get the connection. He's going to say, Master, it's just that, and he's going to say some line or two that says, the safest thing for me to do was to be as far away from the light as possible so as to not attract attention. He's going to say something like that, which is, listen, I- I'm out of practice because I couldn't practice. I couldn't. I didn't have my lightsaber. I didn't have anything because I, my sole focus was to stay hidden, stay safe, and keep Luke alive. That was his only purpose. So Qui-Gon now is going to get him up to speed to beat Vader, and he's going to beat Vader. Oh, you think that Qui-Gon, we're going to have a training montage? Maybe not a training montage. No, I'm kidding. We will understand that Qui-Gon Jinn gets him prepared to beat Vader, and he has to beat Vader. You know why? Because in episode four, Vader says to him, when we last met, I was the pupil. When I left you, I was but the learner. Yeah, I was the learner. So whatever Obi-Wan knows more than Darth Vader. again... That line originally meant, according to the Return of the Jedi novelization, Vader left Obi-Wan to to follow the Emperor. Sure. And then Obi-Wan went to get him back. He didn't he it, it, supposedly says, at the time he didn't know his wife was pregnant either. Okay. Which has also well, been so retconned. So obviously so th- 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 that may end up being the case. I'm just laughing because <laughs> One of the worst movies of all time is called the uh, No Retreat, No Surrender. Okay, <laughs> it came out in the eighties. I have not seen this. It's so bad. It's so bad. If you ever catch it on a rerun, it's hilariously bad. Uh, a, a kid who wants to learn karate, uh, like, and, and Jean Claude Van Damme is actually the bad guy in this, is, and he's a Russian. This is how oh, early course, in the eighties. But uh, he he trains with Bruce Lee's ghost. <laughs> 
Like he goes to Bruce Lee's grave and prays, and Bruce Lee's ghost shows up and trains him to fight. This is it. And then he defeats Jean-Claude Van Damme at the end. So when you're like, yeah, Qui-Gon's going to come and train him, that was immediately what came to my mind is like the ghost of Bruce Lee coming to train. Oh, I hope it doesn't do that. Well, it makes sense in the Star Wars canon. I hope I didn't just ruin if that happens for a bunch of people. I will watch that after the fact now. I will not watch it beforehand. Please don't watch it beforehand. Do you know what? I I think it's not going to be like here, you, you know. Different moves Not with best lightsabers. Of the best. No retreat, no surrender. Best of the best. I have that was best a of the different best. karate move. Um, I think what it'll be is helping him reconnect with the force in a way that he has not, he has heretofore Well, he has to be ready reached. to be absorbed into the force by Absolutely. the time they duel. And we still got... And he will be prepared. We've still got 10 more years or so. Well, and what does he do? He, I think I think we are going to see... People who thought this duel wasn't good enough, I think we're going to get a final duel. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, that's no, what we're setting it up People for. thought this wasn't good enough. Well, honestly, I'll I be honest. Was perfect. If they didn't have another fight, I would still be okay with how this one played oh, out. Oh, I loved it. Because I, I loved still think that nothing that happened in this duel negates any of the dialogue that comes later in I agree A New that. Hope. I don't think it does. Do you know who we didn't talk about? You know who I loved? What's her name? The girl? Tala? Is that her name? Something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Let me look that she up. She's the Imperial spy. Oh, she's great. I loved her. And I don't know if it's the perfect English accent of whatever you have to have for an Imperial and that she's a spy. I just thought her character worked so well. It was acted so well. Indira Varma is Tala Durit. Tala. Great character, disillusioned imperial officer on the and planet she's not, Mapuzo. And she's not dead. Thank goodness. I thought she was great. Um, but what, she was originally conceived as they were writing the show, the first first drafts as okay. a potential love interest for Obi Wan, uh, and okay. they changed their mind. Uh, they, you know, look, I'm all for Obi Wan has one love, Satine. Yes, yeah, I'm all for a more uh, romantic involvement in Star Wars because I mean, since Han and Leia, we really don't have much of a love story. They kind of made Kylo, Raylo, whatever happened at the end of that, but that wasn't a, a build-up with a love story. So I think they could bring that in more. But I, I thought Tala, great character. Leia, really getting serious in this. Oh, Tala's reveal was pretty cool, too. You're like, good. Obi-Wan's screwed. Obi-Wan yep. and Leia are screwed. Yep. Oh, we also, right before that, the fact that this, uh, he shoots, he uses a blaster exceptionally well, which is f- hilarious and fantastic. Uh, so uncivilized. <laughs> the stormtrooper that gets but, cut oh, in half. Oh, That epic. was pretty cool. My daughter had kind of, I was watching it with her for the first time. She hadn't watched it yet. My uh, my uh, high school graduate daughter. She was looking at her phone for a second. I said, no, 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 look. And then she looks up and the guy gets sliced in half by the laser gate, uh, which was great. The mole character, fantastic. A lot of tension built up. So Yeah, I, I thought the mole character reminded me that of was good. Cliff Clavin. He really gave me a Cliff Clavin <laughs> much. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I didn't realize it was Zach Braff's voice. I thought it that was Zach Braff. That's Zach Braff. Did not know they that. Altered his voice a bit, kind of made it lower. I can we just say I have not mentioned Deborah Chow's name. She is a genius. She is a, She's done great. And I don't even want to say an able-bodied director. She is fantastic. I would say Deborah Chow from her episodes of Mandalorian and and Bryce Dallas Howard. If people were really both are really hungering good. for a female presence in the director's chair, hold. Holy cow. Let Deborah Chow and Bryce Dallas Howard do as much as they want in Star Wars. I think they are fantastic. I agree. It, 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 the visuals are great and rich. And the the um, what's the name of the uh, director of photography, the DP for this? Uh, uh, it's like a uh, last see. name, same as uh, the, the first Chung, Chung Yung Chung, I think is the name. Boy, fantastic as well. Great, great cinematography, direction, art direction. I just loved it. I, ju- I just love all of it. Just just fantastic. I mean, I think the visuals are just second to none. Oh, Chung Hoon Chung. Chung Hoon Chung. 
fantastic. But I would say if those who thought that Book of Boba Fett was a little one-dimensional simply being on Tatooine, this one is giving us oh. what we want. Different planets, Look, It's not their fault that the story of the whole Star Wars saga well, started on Tatooine. It means we're going to go there a lot. But how great is it that... It's also an easy thing to produce. Well, but just you, enjoy it. has got to get sand. I know, I don't, it doesn't enjoy bother it me. And move on to the next thing. Andor, which is coming up, and we shouldn't give any of this time to Andor because that'll have plenty of time when it comes sure. in. That trailer for Andor just shows you that, wow, they're going to be on site of various locations that look just like Rogue One. It looks so good. Um, I didn't man. get this goosebumps like for Andor that everybody oh, listen, else did. I I'll think have to Andor watch it again looks, or something. Go back and watch Rogue One and then watch it because it's, it pulls you right back into Rogue One. Um, but Kenobi. I have one more question for go Kenobi ahead. before yes. we move off of Darth Vader. Sure. Do I read, I don't even remember now where, it was a link off of Facebook, and maybe it was on Screen Rant or Comic Book Resources. Did Darth Vader doom the Empire by not just killing Kenobi when he had him in the flames? Because you remember, he force-pushed him out of the fire, sure. go bring him to me, and that gave uh, Tala yeah. a chance to fire on him and reignite the fire and, and let Obi-Wan well, get away. I mean, you can say obviously it did, because if you look at the, how the sure. dominoes played out, but... You know, so is Darth Vader responsible I mean, for the look, fall you see, of the Darth Empire? Darth Vader does his master's bidding, which Palpatine's pure um, uh, evil plan is is domination and universal domination forever, right? That's not Vader's plan. Of course, we learn in Return of the Jedi that Vader probably at any given time... Well, what does he say to Luke? He says, hey, join me, Luke. Hey, look, we'll overthrow the Emperor. Vader, deep within him, has this... I don't know if familial tie is the right word, but Vader's motivations are very much tied to his connection with his family. Again, I, I might get ripped apart for that, but no, I wondered if we would how see could you argue against that? That's what the redemption was. They made the it very side. clear. Yeah. Dave Filoni made it very clear. Ahsoka is not the reason that, and he had to be very careful in their interactions in Rebels, for so sure. as not to give any indication at all that Vader is in encounters with Ahsoka was anything leading him back towards the light. Filoni's made it very clear. He's like, it children. is Luke Skywalker. Yes. That is the reason yes. that Vader well, comes and back. And then eventually the side was Padme. I mean, it was his fear of well, what does Yoda say to him? Uh, fear of loss is the path to go. the dark side. Yeah, and he says, learn to let go of everything you fear to lose. And he was, uh, he lost his mother. I'm not going to lose somebody again. No, I will have ultimate power and control and I will not allow these things to happen because I am too powerful for that. I mean, that was almost like Anakin realizing, wait, what everybody says is true. I have more midichlorians than anybody. I am more powerful than anyone ever. Yeah, at some point so, it goes to your head. Yeah, and it went to his head and turned him fully evil. And yet, that's why Obi-Wan Kenobi is a personal vendetta for him. I mean, he didn't have to he lost. expend all these resources to find Obi-Wan Kenobi. So him taking him and putting him into the fire and he says, your pain is only begun or whatever. It's, he's full on well, showing you. Well, I actually you. thought, I thought that was a really cool touch that I, first I was like, what's he doing? Oh my it gosh, he's dragging reversal. him in like, okay, yep. you, you thought it was uh, yep. funny to leave me burning alive? Oh my gosh. Like I thought that was actually a really cool, Again. I would have never come up with that on my own. Oh, the writing so whoever, and the visuals, agreed. Agreed. Uh, Hussein, I loved it. Oh, I loved it. The writer, great job so on the good. writing, great job on the visual. Everything hey, about it is hitting all the right we notes. We talked about Vader snapping the kid's neck. How about him dragging the woman through the street as he's walking along and yeah. he just leaves his arm down and it, she keeps dragging behind Until him. Until he finally lets it her just, go. It's just it, the full power unleashed of Darth Vader that we've thought about and, and envisioned was there on display. I'm glad you said that because that's what I thought as I was watching it. This is the Darth Vader of my nightmares. Yep. Like I was terrified. Darth terrified. Vader from the beginning. I, I, 
I didn't think Darth Vader, I mean, other than when he chokes the guy out in the first one, sure. I didn't think Darth Vader was as scary a guy in A New Hope as he was in Empire Strikes Back. When he's killing his own officers, when he's, you know, re- relentlessly, ruthlessly hunting. The duel with Luke, at first, you can tell he, I mean, it took me a few watches, but at first he's screwing oh. around, he's fighting him with one hand, just trying to tempt him. stairs within that, uh, within the, uh, the the carbon freeze chamber. And like lands just, where Luke was. Oh my gosh. But and you see but, the cape. It's just, it gets scarier. But yeah. from the moment Luke steams him off the platform. Yes. He doesn't say another word until after he cuts off Luke's hand. Yeah. Luke works his way down, comes through the hall. They duel in front of the glass. Vader starts chucking um, big pieces of yeah. stuff at yeah. him while the Imperial March theme is playing sure. in the background. It goes through the window. Luke goes out, climbs back in. And then at this point, now Vader's not screwing around anymore. Both hands on the saber. Oh, He's man. hammering I away at Luke. Luke has no choice blocks, but to give ground. Sparks, that blocks, moment sparks, right yeah. there is the Darth Vader of my nightmares. Yep. Unstoppable. Yes. Luke realizes at this point he's he's not winning this. Yep. He'll be lucky to survive. Yeah. And he manages to get a lick in on Vader, which only makes yeah. him matter. Yep. And then two seconds later, his hands chopped off. That's the Darth. That to me is apex Darth Vader. Nothing he did before and nothing he does after is until apex. Well, until we saw yeah, Rogue One, Rogue of one. course. But but that <laughs> was, was an add on. Like, but that was apex Darth Vader. And so seeing this again, he's chasing Obi Wan through the streets, just relentlessly stalking him. How terrified him. was Ewan McGregor? Too. Right, and what that a great was a way to play that character. It was great. Like terrified. He's not sure how he feels about all this. He's confused. He he doesn't know should he fight back? Should he should he finally kill Anakin like he sh- probably should have done? Anakin's taunting him. Vader's got him picked up. Like. I was like, that, that's how you do it. Like, they understood. They understood the character. They understood yeah. what made oh, yeah. it freaky. They didn't copy too much, I thought, of other things. They did the George Lucas. They made it rhyme oh, with yeah. some similar right. visuals, with some similar things. But it was its own thing. And I knew that Obi-Wan would survive, and yet still you're, gripping, might, you're yeah. gripping the thing like, oh, yeah. holy cow. Well. And it allows for Obi-Wan Kenobi's hero's journey arc to continue in that at the beginning of the the series, we understand that he can't step in, but it's disappointing that he won't step in. In this case, he says to Tala, take Leia. Get her to Alderaan. I've got to distract him. What does he say? I'll, I'll, I'll buy you some time or something like that. He's willing to go put himself almost to the point where... I guess I'll sacrifice myself. I mean, I Obi-Wan is off planet away from Luke right now, knowing Luke is the only hope, you know, and is, it will bring balance. Right. Is the chosen one, right, kind of... I think that Obi-Wan's starting to get some hints that Leia has As more... Like, yeah. I don't know if he thinks he about the Force, because he... Uh, is even the one that says that boy's our last hope sure. in Empire Strikes Back. Right. And but Yoda's you can tell he can see that Leia's, and maybe that's what reminds him of Padme so much, is just sort of the fierceness and the sure. intelligence oh, yeah. and all of those things. Because, yeah. you know, he met her when she was a teenage queen also. Yes. And so I don't know if they're going to do more about hinting at Leia's force sensitivity because really, that's never talked about until the sequel trilogy. No, I liked what Tala said, though. She goes, Although, she's going to be a great fighter someday. And Obi-Wan says, I think she will. And I, I immediately pictured when she used a blaster and she says, somebody's got to save our skins. And I mean, look, Leia 
at 19 years yes. old was a leader, a fierce leader yep. who was better than the boys. At that, like, come on, you, you, what is, what does she call him in the deleted scene? Laser jockeys or something? Oh. It's just, just fantastic. So, I, I loved it, man. I loved it, and the way they ended with Darth Vader there, standing there, you know, you wonder, well, why didn't he just jump over the fire? Why didn't he grab him there? Darth Vader is slow and deliberate. That's what he is. That's what he does. I mean, he's cool and calculating yeah. and, and, and can't move quickly ever. It was um, pretty close. That, that was the one thing about the Rogue One scene. As awesome as it was, it almost overpowered him. And the only problem with showing that is, is where it was on the timeline. It was just a week or a few days before sure. they, they yes. duel on the Death Star. So it, right. it was like, ooh, that's a pretty big disconnect for such a short time. Yes. If he had acted like that here. Sure. I wouldn't feel like it was as much of a disconnect. Again, minor quibbles, yep. and I can accept it, and I'll be like, okay, fine. He was super strong here, and he was super slow here. Whatever. Okay. I have almost nothing to say negative about this. I mean, I won't say anything Everybody's negative. doing a great job. Seeing I you just and, seeing it. Hayden Christensen in the Jedi robe in yes. that scene in the field. Oh, creepy. Where, Obi-Wan yeah. imagines seeing him there. You know what I hope we see now is I think we're going to get some back to uh, dreams because you got to you got to heal Obi-Wan. He's in bad shape right now. He's burned everywhere. Um, so I think if you throw him in some Bacta and we'll get a Clone Wars. Uh, Ooh, wouldn't that take. be cool to have a scene of both Vader and Obi-Wan and Bacta at the same time and each of them remembering the same thing oh, differently? Okay. Wouldn't that be I awesome? That. Andy wouldn't just that said be it. awesome? Yes. Oh, the same scene, but differently. Yes. Having them remember it yes. playing out from their uh, own point of view. view. Kevin McAllister style in Home Alone when well, we know that Uncle Frank said to him, look what you did, you little jerk. And yet in his mind, he hears him say, look what you did. You little jerk. You remember that? Kevin McAllister imagines it. You're the only one who has to make trouble. So what if we had, and I don't know if they'll bring Ahsoka into this, but if it's Clone Wars era, we could see a uh, Ben, or not Ben, an Obi-Wan, Anakin, Ahsoka scene quickly from from Obi-Wan's perspective Just that just ties us a little bit more and tugs at the heartstrings a little bit more of who who Anakin really is and was to Obi-Wan, right? Yes. And so we're going to see else maybe I hope a little of that see. in the flashback. I, I hope. hope we get a cameo of Agent Callus. But this would oh, be hey. pre this would be pre-turning be Agent Callus. Yeah, deep cut. But that'd be pretty cool from Rebels. Well, they with didn't his... have to call him Agent Callus. You just see him. We're going to be like, oh, look at the mutton chops. We know. Oh, I just, but is. you'd have to hear his voice too, because oh, yeah. his voice I is like very Agent Callus. I do. Rebels folks who have not seen Star Wars Rebels, Agent Callus, great character, very much kind of like this Tala character. Um, yeah, again, except maybe he's way worse her. than her. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Look, I loved it. Andy, this, I mean, I know you probably could have foreseen my uh, my um, uh, anticipation that was fulfilled. I mean, I, I was so excited to watch it. Look, and, you just and didn't it, want it to fall on its all. face. You didn't want it to feel ridiculous, to me, and you anyway. didn't want it to feel forced like it's a cash grab. Well, I also didn't want it to feel claustrophobic, like they couldn't get past their TV budget versus a an Obi-Wan yes. Kenobi movie. I feel like this has given us everything that I would hope to see. Honestly, I'm, I'm enjoying it. The We're actors, the effects. Yeah, I love it. I it's, love it. It is solid. Give me more Vader. Give me more Obi-Wan. <laughs> Let's do this. Give you more whatever it is. Give you more. I like it. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. If you only knew the power of this uh, show. Talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi, we will revisit Obi-Wan Kenobi when we are through the final episode. So okay. this is part one if you will, Couple of weeks. discussing Obi-Wan. We've got three more weeks. I believe June 22nd is Oof. the final episode. Man. We've got one this Wednesday on the 8th, 
15th, 22nd. So that would be the other three episodes. Okay. Three excruciating weeks to get through. Three incredible we get to weeks. Incredible. The, the incredible will be on the Wednesdays. The excruciating will be hey, Thursday through Tuesday. Anticipation. It's just like Christmas Eve, right? It's so much better than Christmas Day. It's building up. Ah, uh, well, Dan Spindle, KSL TV. You can follow him on Twitter. That's right. At Dan Spindle KSL. Out on Facebook. Are you on Instagram too? You are, aren't yes, you? Yes, occasionally, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, check out Dan on uh, social media. Check out the Fan Effect show on social media at uh, F A N E F F E C T, Fan Effect show on uh, on Instagram. We have Instagram, but we never use it. So mostly just stick to Twitter and to <laughs> Facebook. And we will return for another episode of Fan Effect and we will discuss the final three episodes of. Obi-Wan. Yes. Do you have a fun idea or a local fan culture topic you'd like us to explore? Let us know by messaging our Facebook page at Fan Effect Show, where you can also get the latest nerdly updates and join the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Fan Effect Show and Twitter at Fan Effect Show. Listen regularly on your favorite platform at kslnewsradio.com, kslpodcast.com, or on the KSL News Radio app. Beyond sci-fi, fantasy, gaming, and tech, we're excited to share with you our knowledge and arguments on everything pop culture and fandom on Fan Effect, based in the beautiful Beehive State. Fan Effect celebrates Utah's unique fan culture. By the way, we were voted the number one Star Wars fan state of the uh, U- uh, the Union. And we're excited to bring you local guests that feel the same way. I'm your host, Andy Farnsworth. Again, thanks to our producer, Kellyanne Halverson, working behind the scenes this one, and our guest, Dan Spindle from KSL-TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope to have you back real soon for another episode of Fan Effect. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.